Welcome, friends, to episode 45 of the Becoming Human podcast. I'm your host, Will Nelson. Man, it's so sunny out here right now. I mean, I've been trying to work on enjoying like all aspects of the weather. I mean, sure, I love a good chaotic storm with thunder and wind raging, but I mean rain day in and day out. When I first moved into the Pacific Northwest, it bothered me. But after listening to The Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin and how he was talking about our language around, around the weather and how it's we put that level of discomfort on it because I mean why don't we go out and play in the rain and we play in the snow and rain's not going to make you melt (laughs) so I've been trying to shape my mindset around that and find the joy in all kinds of weather and try to go outside you know despite how cold it might be or how wet it might be and over time I've grown to really enjoy it I'm very fond of the rain, and if you think of it right, it feels like you're in a bath, (laughs) except when it's really sunny out, I still get so excited, I mean, that level of joy is something that that I relish in, but I'm trying hard, I still love the sunshine more than the rest. This week, I got... Dr. Yvonne Naughton and Dr. David Brown as guests. Dr. Yvonne is an ultra runner with a medical specialty in pediatrics and sports medicine. Dr. David is the founder and medical director of the Elm Clinic. I find Yvonne and David's understanding of the medical system and how it can be improved very compelling. And they go beyond just bemoaning the archaic system that that we have they're working to change it starting with the elm clinic they're focusing on a patient's lifestyle when i have started getting into a variety of athletics on a consistent basis my life changed not just how i spent my time but how i felt when i woke up i didn't feel so run down I was sick less every year. I can think more clearly. I found a sense of community in these forms of athletics that I have yet to find anywhere else. It has literally changed my life. Yvonne and David understand that most of the time it's just education and giving their patients resources. I love that they actually try to spend their time and understand what their patients need. Realizing that there is no one-size-fits-all. They're really great people, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you'd like to learn more about the Elm Clinic, you can go to the elmmclinic.com and check them out on Facebook, too. And if you guys would like to support the show, you can leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. Thank you guys for listening. On the forest floor, satiated yet wild no more. So lead me to the forest edge, take me to your riverbed.
So much. This is a highly. This is much more in a prevention. Okay, in prevention. So instead of um, of maintaining diseases and trying to um, uh, help prevent them from deteriorating, <laughs> say you know diabetes getting worse, heart failure getting worse, um, actually uh, reverse them in the context of uh, you can do a heck of a lot with exercise controlling your nutritional intake and, and other lifestyle habits. Um, and this is something you know, that sort of, sometimes flies in the face of all my training. I'm an internal medicine physician. And um, I also became board certified in obesity medicine and I started to see some of the gaps that we've had in our education uh, in my years uh, in terms of nutrition and activity. And, and then I started seeing my patients when we practiced these uh, approaches which I call frequent engagement. We would work with the patients on a uh, weekly basis or um, every, every couple of weeks at different levels. And when they buy into that sort of uh, interaction, um, their diabetes control gets, uh, it, it comes under control. Uh, a lot of my patients have come off of insulin. 
Uh, they come in and tell me that they're getting dizzy when they stand up. It's because their blood pressure medicine is too strong, so we have to take the blood pressure medicine down or take it away. And I never saw this in my previous experiences where you're always adding another pill and you're never addressing uh, their uh, lifestyle habits and behavior. Like putting out fires. I mean, always put out fires, never trying to prevent the fire from taking place in, in, in the first place. So um, the really cool thing is uh, I've seen it from my own eyes. I have other practitioners who are abiding. It's happening around the country and other um, specialists, even like cardiologists, uh, surgeons, are really buying into the same model. Um, and there's sort of movement taking place. And um, if the patients show up and they, and they, uh, they, they join us in this sort of uh, approach, um, a lot of their, uh, a lot of their uh, uh, medical issues um, get better fairly quickly. So, but it's a, it's a partnership. It has to work like that. Yeah. You have to be able to build and maintain relationships with your patients, right? Very much so. Yeah, it's a coaching mentality mm -hmm. in many ways. Um, and it's a long-term relationship. It's also a, a financial relationship where uh, we know that, um, that they're going to be better off 10, 20 years down the road um, turning the diabetes around now as opposed to um, dealing with an amputation or end-stage renal disease or all these other, you know, extremely costly and, and debilitating conditions. So, um, and, and the patients can't really uh, oftentimes grasp that return on investments unless you're working with them mm -hmm. on a very regular basis. Yeah. Education, um, you know, let, make sure they know why you're making recommendations and why you want to track these numbers and and um, and when they when they do start to learn uh, and they start to see the results themselves and they realize that they have a, a framework within which within which to work and we can show them the results um, they, they love it and so uh, that's that's how it works. Yeah, you get to work kind of the the um, something that I I've gained from like athletics, I suppose, which would, I would imagine would be similar, which is having that goal oriented approach. Whenever you achieve something, it feels good. Yeah. And when I worked in the long term acute care, we'd have patients where they would like they wouldn't follow their diet or anything like that, and there was like no internal reward system that uh, or incentive, I, I suppose. No one talked to them about it. Of um, following something like I uh, would apply like a strict schedule of like exercise right and that would be a chore for me but now actually doing it consistently for a longer period of time it starts to make me feel good yeah and I feel more happy than I did in a sedentary life and just you know yeah. doing instant gratification that's that's awesome yeah and the cool thing from my perspective again going back to my engineering my medical training is um we're starting to really understand the uh, reward system that our brain perceives um, and you know this kind of aligns with uh, addictions and you know the, the dopaminergic centers in the brain that um, play a role in addictive behavior uh, also play a role in the reward system in terms of uh, sugar and mm -hmm. what we eat and behavior and uh, when we 
sort of start to make these changes, you know, we're literally um, altering, altering our uh, genetic functions, our we're called epigenetics, in terms of there's a physical change that's taking place in the in the body and in the brain oh, well. as, we, as we change behavior. Huh. And so that's part of I think what you're saying is that you know you're doing your intense exercise, intense training, and uh, after a certain period of time you find that you depend upon it, you have a dependence upon it, and um, you know call it a dependence, call it an addiction, call it a, a love. Yeah, you know, huh. it's, it's the satisfaction that you get from uh, that that behavior that you become you know, relied upon to feel to feel good. Huh. I never and it's not just a it's not just a uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, so this is when it's really got interesting. Um, and I started, you know, learning more through my I, between uh, between engineering and medicine. I did uh, some work in neuroscience, and so then I got back into this when I did, did my obesity um, training that uh, we started to see the, how the gut interaction with the brain in terms of the, uh, uh, the feedback when oh, we yeah. feed ourselves. I've heard of that, yeah. And um, you know, you're lighting up these spots on a, on a PET scan or a, mm -hmm. uh, you know, an imaging study, um, that uh, it's a, the reward centers. Uh -oh. And so they're, they're, this is hardwired into us. And uh, that's why I believe that, you know, it's, it's uh, if you get the people to come in to the system and you help coach them through the uh, behavioral changes, that you're uh, developing a permanent uh, uh, fix uh, for their uh, for their behavior. Mm. Wow. Um, the problem is too often we don't coach them, we don't stay with them. They fall out before that fix can actually take place. What is the thing that that you've seen that has increased that retention? face-to-face um, -face interactions. Mm -hmm. So I might see a patient come in uh, and visit with me um, two or three times a month, but we might have them come in and visit with my front desk coordinator just to bring their data that they're tracking, their, their, um, their macronutrients, their activity. Uh, we ask them to uh, be accountable for, for tracking their nutrition and exercise. And there's very nice easy to do systems now that allow them to do this. Mm -hmm. So then um, you know, they engage with me to talk about uh, the, the, those uh, findings, um, but they also frequently engage with uh, someone else in my office. And then we also um, can uh, engage through telemedicine, uh, through our uh, social uh, network on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, um, events where the patients will uh, meet with one of our providers um, on a weekend and everyone does a hike through Washington uh, Park. And we'll, um, so we'll uh, uh, coordinate uh, basically their activities with the patients. So they'll come in and, um, uh, you know, and, and do these hikes all year long. Um, actually today, Aaron Flanagan, a nurse practitioner at uh, a group in Storbrook Park in Anacortes, and they just did a walk around, but she's also a group fitness trainer and they stopped at the, um, the, the playground and she taught them how to uh, start doing some uh, uh, training, exercising with their own body weight. Oh, whoa. And, and so that's engaging them. Yeah, that's um, fun. There's a recipe blog that's based on our sort of idea on very low you know, carbohydrate type uh, diets. Mm -hmm. And um, diets, I don't think that's the right word, but 
uh, eating habits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so that's always out there every week. There's a new one coming out. And so really using these different mediums of face-to-face, -face, telemedicine, um, social media, um, activities uh, like creating a community around exactly. it essentially and that's exactly. the thing that I've uh, I've seen often is like this concept of urban isolation whereas people like they go home and then they go to work and then they drive in their car and go to the grocery store and they interact with very little people outside of their workplace mm -hmm. the common thing that I have is I don't um, connect with the people in my workplace. Not me, but I, I hear that and even with like homeless people I've interviewed and it's like well when I was struggling there's no one there like my family, they didn't live in the area, and I, they, so I just completely went on a downward spiral, and there was no one to alert me, like, um, to help me pick myself back up, essentially, or no one to go to. And so providing, like, a, a community that is backed by, like, a healthy lifestyle, essentially, and being engaging, I feel like that's very critical, because it's like having the individual with all of those tools and knowledge is like playing Yahtzee. I mean, parenting is so diverse like yeah and and when we take this to the and, and try to you know look at the uh, outcomes on the medical side and say you know what's happened when we do this now what's happened into the diabetes that these people have what's happened to the um the, the chronic pain that have the depression the anxiety um we can measure all these and they all uh they 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 get better they become dependent upon the social engagement and their chronic diseases improve along the way. And so uh, um, it was a bit of an experiment at first. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think we're up to almost 500 um, you know, Facebook followers. We're up to almost 400 patients right now wow. in about six months. And uh, it's been really, um, really pleasantly mm -hmm. uh, surprising. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And I love that, and I hope to see it take off further. And because even with my own self, like I've realized that how much my sedentary behavior, and um, I would indulge in indulgent behavior, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I played video games a lot when I was a kid, and then I would uh, recreationally party, for instance, mm -hmm. a lot. And it was also like food. I'd eat a carton of goldfish in an hour and a half. Yeah. And I just, no, no, no. And it was like instant gratification, bing, bing, yeah. bing. And um, it was hard to pull myself out of that. I saw like exercise as a chore. And I didn't, like I said before, I didn't realize how much fun it is to right. go trail running, for instance, in the mountains of the Pacific Northwest. Like yeah. that's was a dream that I had when I was a kid. It's like playing Indiana Jones, you know, in, in a modern sense, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the, uh, that's the, um, I think the end, the end goal mm -hmm. is to have everybody be able to feel like that, to get out and uh, explore and feel that their body is going to support them mm -hmm. in doing this. And, and so this is where you know, Yvonne sort of takes the blend and, and, and moves it way beyond the, 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 what I'm doing right now. Yeah. 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 Because definitely we can take the, the trail running, which is what I do, and uh, I guess going backwards, we met in Ireland, which is where I'm from. Dave went to medical school at Trinity College in Dublin, and um, then we ended up doing residency in Tucson in Arizona, so I'm a pediatrician. He did internal medicine. Um, and then when we moved up here after a brief time in San Diego, um, I just kind of got introduced to trail running. Mm. Initially we 
we got a Malamute puppy and they need a, oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot, got of, a lot of energy. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I should, you know, maybe try getting back into, you know, exercising regularly to help burn off the energy. So, um, so I started running with the Malamute and then summer came around and got above 50 degrees and she was too hot to run. So mm -hmm. I just kept running and it just kind of oh. went from there. And I mean, everybody's outdoorsy up here. You mm -hmm. hike, you run, whatever. Yeah, yeah, so you just keep exploring a little bit more and, you know, further and initially, you know, Dave's like, well, be careful on the trace. Bring, trails, bring your pepper spray, you know, watch out for <laughs> bears and weirdos oh, yeah. and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you just, you, you bring your trail map, you figure out where you're going to go and you just kind of explore, you get lost, you, you know, and... Um, you know, you find it's not it's not actually too difficult to do by yeah, yourself and just get scary. out there. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so then, you know, and just start to do a few races, you realize it's a big community of um, you know, just friendly people who mm -hmm. are out there spending a day on the trail doing a race and hanging out afterwards, you know, having some um, food and beer and some music playing, whatever. It's a very so, jovial community. Yeah, That's yeah. Why I, I wanted yeah. this. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I guess, you know, I get to hang out there with the kids, throw a football, right. drink beer, and yeah. listen yeah. to little bluegrass music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just <laughs> kind of realized, you know, a lot of these people are doing already what we are now trying to introduce to other people in the clinic. Um, you know, they, they meet once or twice a couple of times a week on the trails and, and run and that was the um, interesting thing is that when I got to know some of these trail runners, you know, yeah. they were my they were my patients, but they were the mm -hmm. types of people that were were becoming my patients. Oh. They had overcome, you know, tremendous uh, um, I guess conditions in their life mm -hmm. um, right. to to allow them to complete these races. You know, and a lot of them were medical conditions, some were addictions, uh, some were yeah. a lot of them were emotional. And it just blew my mind that these guys are either running 50 miles or 100 miles. Yeah. You know, that's, that's insane, too. Yeah. So, I mean, if you can bring that to other people on the street who are not aware of, the, you know, these kind of events exist and people are doing these kind of things, mm -hmm. you know, and if they can just get in the kind of shape to jog a 5K, well, yay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's an accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. It's an accomplishment's relative, too. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Wow. So... So yeah, then I kind of, um, I, I was practicing in general pediatrics and as I kind of got more involved in this, I became more interested in um, like sports medicine and did some um, further uh, specialization and um, qualifications in that um, and got interested in coaching. So I help coach the high school track team in LeConnor now oh. as well. So we just kind of brought that together with the you know, idea of a new clinic. And yeah, and then you become part of the community within, yeah. you know, yeah. over there on the island and stuff yeah. like that. That's, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, important. Yeah, I, I coach football and oh, really? baseball also. It's, it's, it's enormously fun. So what do you, what do you guys enjoy most about coaching, like, with kids? Uh, the, 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 the quick answer is trying to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, That's uh, what's up. No, you guys all going down to Seattle. Yeah, uh, to be honest, it's uh, it's watching these guys, like these boys that are like deer in the headlights, you know, at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, um, they start to respond. 
and they get excited and they start to pull together mm -hmm. and uh, and they turn into like these little men. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And, and overcoming uh, those challenges. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Both I've only coached two years both years you watch these guys and it's amazing how much they grow throughout yeah. that, that period. And then they respond to you too. It's like they don't know how to take you at first and the next thing you're sort of like you know, they're actually joking with you and mm -hmm. this past year I actually had one guy tackle me. Oh really? <laughs> I mean, I have enough people on the scout team so I was like <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna get in here and next thing I'm head over heels and <laughs> but it was like it was it was fun. It's just like uh, it's just a, a lot of fun to be out there. Yeah. Like camaraderie pretty much. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, I I just ask because um, obviously oh I, well never mind. Um, every coach that I've seen in terms of like high school, elementary school, they don't no one does it for money. So I right, wonder right. like what what is the draw the to it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not well with the track team this is my second year and definitely there's some kids who just come out to you know stay fit for another sport or mm -hmm. that kind of thing but you you win those guys over and then you know start to hear back during football <laughs> season that they're asking about track season oh and yes so yeah you know when you can work with them and they improve and especially because a lot of them play team sports i know track is still you know pretty much team based over here in that you know the whole um, team scores, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, which isn't something I was used to when you were growing really? up. Track was like a, it's an individual sport unless, you know, oh, relays were team, but it wasn't like the whole club That scored. makes sense because you're not like, you're not intermingling really. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, I guess in the whole, it was a team event here, but, you know, they were responsible for um, performing well individually and, in, you know, individual events. Oh, okay. So, you know, so it was all on them as opposed yeah. to, you know, the whole basketball team or the football team. So uh, that was kind of different, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, you see them kind of grow and get better through the seasons. Mm -hmm. It's good. They uh, teach uh, kids for jujitsu, and that, that's, I love yeah. it so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I learned though a lot in the own, in that process about jujitsu and even just about my own self too. But right. being able to watch those kids like when they actually get something and see the sense right. of accomplishment on their face, right. I, I love it. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it makes you be better mm -hmm. coach yeah. too, because you go home your own. Oh, I've mastered that. I need to go home and <laughs> yeah. find something yeah. new to challenge them. So I'm constantly like on YouTube and yeah. whatever, trying to find new techniques and you it know, engages so, you, yeah, and pushes yeah, yeah. you further. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, uh, I got to um, be, you know, my all-time dream, be an offensive coordinator. <laughs> and so I got to be offensive coordinator for one game. I, I found out, uh, oh, man, I, I was a guy, I was a deer in headlights now. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was like, this is really stressful right now. <laughs> yeah, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing like dealing with patients. Patients are easy compared to being mm -hmm. offensive coordinator for a junior football team. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. right. you're, you're partly trying to, uh, you know, Move the ball, and you're partly trying to not get them killed. Uh huh. Yeah. In the process, you know what the other team is capable of, and you're like, I'm not going to run that guy against that guy because he's going to get killed. Yeah. Well, and your patients don't want to know what you score in your medical school tests. Your uh, yeah. athletes are like, what, what could you jump in the triple moat? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think that. What was your time? Yeah. What did you got? That's funny. So, I could always throw yeah. back at them, though, that timed event race I did one on a track where you run for 24 hours and see how many. Laps you clock up. So. I love trail running, but that's the, the monotony of that. Like, it's actually oh. interesting. It, I, really? it was more fun than I thought, but yeah, I did 530 laps. So whenever they complain about doing <laughs> like you know two cool down laps, yeah. <laughs> what was the what was the funnest part about it? Did it actually have to do with the event itself, or was it all up here in your mind? 
Um, well, because I had a big goal for it because I was trying to make the Irish team mm -hmm. for the World 24-Hour Championships were in Belfast last year, so mm -hmm. it was, um, during my track years I never got to compete for Ireland right about when I had like won an um, Irish championship in triple jump, mm -hmm. I uh, ended up with a perforated appendix and had surgery oh. and never got back into it, so it was the one thing that I hadn't you know, managed to do, and then I just got out of track when I was in uh, med school. So I was like, all right, here we go, mm -hmm. 40, and I can yes. maybe, you know, do that, you know, <laughs> achieve this uh, this dream now. So um, I went to this event in California, and I needed to make um, 125 miles. Mm -hmm. So um, I had tried it earlier, and I wasn't really ready. It was right after Christmas. It was just a bad time. Our golden retriever had died and oh, the no, days before, and it, it was awful. Oh, and yeah. I just went down, and I'm like, I'm going to try and, like, make the qualifying standard down mm -hmm. in Arizona and it, I fell short it was I made like 111 miles or something and uh -huh. I was took an hour out like to nap and it was, oh, it was ridiculous yeah. um so we went to California and I needed a 125 miles and so yeah that kind of you know that was a goal that needed to be reached mm -hmm. and I, I made it and had time to spare so I ended up doing 132 wow in, in the last two hours um I think it was, they were playing music and I think Mumford and Sons came on and I told them off, like, come on, Irish <laughs> yeah. music. So they played like you 2 for an entire hour Ooh. in the morning and it was, it was great, you know. <laughs> the rest of the, the Americans were not impressed with it. Finally got to Sunday Bloody Sunday uh -huh. and they were like, alright, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, oh, <no. laughs> so, but yeah, no, that was, it was, it was more fun than I thought. It's just it's such a small setting that mm -hmm. for a while you zone out that you're actually running. Yeah. Um, oh. And it's like, you know, it's just so entertaining because you can see everything. Wow. You know, the trail's nice in that sometimes you're out there by yourself and you see people, you know, intermittently, um, depending on the length, they tend to get more, um, you know, spaced out. Mm -hmm. Shorter races, you maybe would have cried more often. But um, this one, you know, you just you could see all the other runners, you could oh. see what was going on, so it was, it was strangely just entertaining That's the whole time. Like people watching. You're right, right, like, right. I was like, you know, you put up a movie screen here, yeah. show a movie, have a band. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> then when we went to the World Championships, that was on a, a one mile course, so mm -hmm. I'm starting to run. It's like, oh, hey. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is not as entertaining. No, oh no. So, so yeah. Um, that's uh, always a fun one to throw back at the track kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, do 530 laps. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> so, so yeah. Yeah. But being able to like overcome that point where it's like, oh, this is gonna be boring. Like, mm -hmm. That is where yeah. there must be added value in your life as yeah. a whole. I would imagine. Yeah. Because I or. Does it affect your ability to tolerate boredom in your day-to-day -day life, or...? Uh, I think it actually, if I'm from an outsider looking in... Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> be careful here. Uh, I think she has no boredom in her life anymore. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's filled that, uh, that, that, that void. Um, to the point, Maybe, yeah. To the point where she literally, um, there's nothing to be bored about. She's mm -hmm. always preparing for something else. Yeah. Right, right. No time to kill. Yeah. yeah, and it might be something six months down the road, mm -hmm. but there's always that thing that she wants to get to. Oh, uh, yeah. Like this coming up is Bighorn, and then I know in a year or two if she ever gets in 
through one of these lotteries, it's going to be Western States or yeah. uh, Hard Rock 100. And that just absolutely keeps her focused for mm -hmm. like months at a time. And excited, I would imagine. Right, right. Yeah, so there's no downtime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of nice because it's something that you have, you know, pretty much complete control over and what you put in, you get out. Mm -hmm. And you just, you know, set up your, your goals and I mean, mm -hmm. it's kind of how yeah. life should be, really. Exactly. <laughs> you can't wiggle out of your failures. It's kind of interesting you bring that up because yeah. you know, I'm kind of the same way that um, there's always been a new uh, business thing going on. I've always. Mm -hmm. Since I've uh, got out of college originally, um, I've always been in a startup company. Oh, really? Either a consultant or a startup company, is, and that's taking place you know, sometimes two companies, sometimes three, as I'm doing the, the doctor work. And oh. I don't quite know what I did. I did have a period back in the 90s when I had <laughs> downtime. I yeah. had like a years out of the time. And uh, that was loads of fun. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not quite sure where I'm going to fall yep. when I get bored again. But it's mm -hmm. probably going to be like on a river fishing somewhere. Yeah, exactly. You know? See, that, but then there's that thing, though, where it's like I, I've i experienced this in my own life where boredom kind of isn't much of a thing because I've, there's always that next thing. Mm -hmm. And it's it's very enjoyable. I, I love it because it, like... To no end, there, there's depth, there's something to think about, there's something to work on, and it like, mm -hmm. it provides, I guess, a depth to my life as a whole, if mm -hmm. you will, like nothing seems, yeah, just working on it, you know? Well, it's funny, because sometimes, you know, you kind of think, like, maybe the act of the running itself, well, it takes the place of the boredom as opposed to sitting around. Mm -hmm doing nothing, thinking about nothing. It's like, lots of times I go for a run, I'm like, all right, I should think about this thing that I need to figure out that, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. and it's, um, it's like you just can't think about it. It becomes that you're thinking about it, and then all, you know, you're bouncing all over the place, yep. and then it becomes nothing, mm -hmm. and you're thinking about nothing. So it's just a moving meditation. Yeah. So it's, it's productive boredom, because mm -hmm. you're exercising. I suppose, <laughs> like, in meditation, I can, I can relate that in a right. sense, because you're, it is productive boredom because you're just trying to empty your mind. So every time right, a thought right. comes up, trying to walk away from the thought and just focus back on what your body's doing every right. single time. Yeah. And right. it's oddly satisfying and it's fun, but right. it's nothing. Right. Mind was always just floating on the river. Really? Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm just sitting there or sitting on a rock in the river. Mm -hmm. And I thought I could do it for 12 hours. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And, and I was never bored in that moment, in that time, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Yeah, he's the water guy. He's studied in a bathtub. <laughs> in Ireland, most houses in Ireland have one bathroom. Yeah, so. so, uh, so oh, you? Oh, no! I'll be in the bathroom like three hours, read my book. Alright, it's time now, to get we, have, we have a hot tub, so I'm up you know, before anybody else gets up. And I usually get about two hours um, of business work done in a hot tub with my iPhone. Oh, yes! <laughs> emails and reading and whatever. Mm -hmm. It's weird. I, I, I'm attached to the water. That's interesting. It's always had to be in the water. Yeah. Whoa. That's weird. So. The water. Yeah. Well, yeah, finding those things and being able to, you know, do them in such a way that it gives you joy every day, making it a ritual, whether right. it's running or if it's water. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah, sitting in a chair in an office, like, not sitting on a computer, uh, that bores me. Mm -hmm. But if I'm doing the exact same thing, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's fun. I love it. <laughs> you think about that. I'll do like I have a standing desk and I'll do like squats and single leg squats oh, yeah. and that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. And or even bring a kettlebell and if I just moving weights or whatever, like yeah, that can keep me busy all day. But if yeah. I'm just standing there, mm -mm. yeah, yeah, uh, -uh. yeah. yeah. But, yeah.
That's wow. And so you did a lot of uh, startups. Yeah. Previously? Yeah. Um, uh, medical device uh, companies, uh, medical device consulting uh, um, clinics. Um, I'm in. I'm in something right now. I can't really go into. Yeah, it. yeah. It's, exactly. uh, <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. Uh, filed a few patents and and so that when I got out of college uh, as an engineer, mm -hmm. um, we were in a uh, new era of. Uh, of design and manufacturing. Um, when 1987, I went to Boston University, and uh, IBM had come in and dropped in a bunch of workstations and some software that nobody had any idea how to use. And it was um, software that allowed us to, to design things in three dimensions, uh, apply uh, physical properties to them, analyze them, and then uh, eventually manufacture, simulate manufacturing on a computer. And oh. so all the processes were. Um, or simulate before you ever hit the floor with uh, what? the shop. And that was, um, the company was Katia, and that's where every every airplane, airplane is designed on Katia. So uh, I became pretty well versed in that and um, ended up teaching uh, the, the classes in it. And then when I got out of college, uh, there was a, a couple companies that were starting to um, uh, distribute the software in the engineering companies, manufacturers. So I joined in with them, uh, and it was great. Um, there was an old industry based around paper and pencil, lots of knowledge base mm -hmm. for a couple hundred years, and we um, just basically were totally disrupted it. With, mm. uh, and, and it was interesting because the folks who were currently working in, the, in that era were, were really afraid mm -hmm. that they weren't going to be able to um, make the leap. Make, like make, a, make the change. Afraid of the change? Afraid of the computers, afraid of the software, afraid their jobs are going to become redundant, they're going to be replaced. Um, and the reality was uh, they had all the knowledge base. Uh, we just had to implement the software and hardware and, and, and teach them how to basically coach them mm -hmm. how to do their job in a, new, in a new fashion. And I coached guys that were you know, 60 years old getting ready for retirement that sat down and learned how to use a computer and design in 3D and do all their work. And um, and, and do it better, mm -hmm. and uh, it was it was pretty cool. Um, so you know, it did not, uh, in the end, uh, make anybody redundant. It actually, just mm -hmm. made them much more efficient. To their surprise. Yeah, mm -hmm. which um, that sort of ingrained in me. And then we were uh, small. We were relatively small. Uh, we did about eight million dollars in revenue, and three years later, we were doing a hundred million, mm -hmm. and oh. ended up going public. And then, page twenty-four, I, I quit. Because everything was easy. Yeah. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and, that's, and that's my period where I took the three to four years out and just sort of had very long periods of time of mm -hmm. hanging out by the river. Yes. <laughs> eventually, I lived with a, with a bluegrass band in Portland, Oregon. What? In uh, around 1997, 98. Oh, that's pretty cool. Did yeah. you play at all, or did you uh, just I learned to play uh, not like those guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just I learned to play some, and I played before that, but. Um, yeah, that was a that was a great experience, and uh, so then that's after that's when I went to medical school. But mm -hmm. I see some of what is taking place with our new approach to healthcare uh, being similar to that back in 1980, uh, you know, 19, late 1980s, 1990s, where I felt the system was uh, broken. Mm -hmm. um, it reached a point of diminishing returns, and um, there are solutions; they just had to be implemented. 
So uh, that's I think we're doing healthcare right now. And what is the often um, the barrier to um, changing that? The dogma. The dogma, yeah. The uh, idea of I have to do my job and keep my head down, mm -hmm. and this is how it's always been done. Um, you know, uh, technology, um, processes, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, it's um, accelerating away from our ability to deliver healthcare. Mm. Uh, and that we practice in the systems that we are, are tied to right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are people out there who understand this, and um, we're at, you know, again, break the system mm -hmm. and allow it to be hyper-efficient yes. uh, and, and deliver better care, improve accessibility, mm -hmm. uh, lower costs um, to the uh, patients, um, and lower costs of delivery as a whole. And, and so that's the thing I can't talk about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, 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 a, uh, it's, a, it's really exciting. So yeah. this is the carry-on of the my, you know, this new startup. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so it's fun. It's kind of frustrating because we, we almost became, you know, those physicians who continued yeah. to work within the system yeah. and, yeah, where you almost get institutionalized. We're coming out of residency and you think that, you know, you should move forward into, um, you know, becoming some specialized and into fellowship and, and that kind of thing. And, um, we were both interested in cardiology, and um, Dave had taken a few interviews for um, to do a fellowship, and then decided against it. But I went ahead and um, uh, got a spot in San Diego, um, and then we moved, and uh, it was just going to be a pretty ridiculous setup. I was pretty much working, you know, whatever 12-hour days. Dave took a job as a nocturnist, where I would come home you know, in the evening, and then he was leaving to be oh. away at night. Um, we were We were out in Coronado. <laughs> yeah. And all I want to do was, like, when I got off work, was go to the beach. Yeah. That's where right. I learned to surf. Oh, so yeah. I was, like, you know, I was working all night, but I didn't want to sleep during the day. Yeah. Right. Oh, no. But we, we, like, I mean, we needed two, two different child miners to, like, help. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, we couldn't get anyone to take the child mining job. Yeah. Dave's parents were in town helping us get settled for a bit, and they were like, we, we need to go home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we're like, we don't have anyone to watch the kids. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, you know what? There there are doctor couples who do this and go yeah. through fellowship and have kids and whatnot. And it's just like, you know what? Um, I don't, awesome. I, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I just don't think we're going to be good physicians doing this either. Mm -hmm. And we're just, it's, we're not happy people doing it. So we're, not, are, we're not wired that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's in yeah. during that time of the realization, were you guys uh, worried about transitioning to a new chapter of your life? Like, because a lot of people, like what right. you guys just said, we're going on that track route, and we realize, oh, this isn't what we wanted. And for some people, that is hard. To... Uh, I think, I think the. It's not confidence so much as it is, um, there, there's, I just see the world as one giant opportunity. Mm, yeah, and, I like and, that. And so <laughs> it's, it's uh, uh, if you train yourself and you apply yourself, um, there's always somewhere where you're going to go in and do something that you want to do. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, so uh, I think the hardest part was just uh, breaking the news to the, you know, I mean, this is... UCSD yeah, breaking telling them no, that uh, yeah, thank you but no the, thank you to the system <laughs> and they just scratch your head but You're that's, like, you that's know, okay I mean, the fact is our, our, our world needs that system right mm -hmm. now 
but uh, it also needs uh, another system to come along and and uh, help help the old system along. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but exactly. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and working in a, a long-term acute care, I, I saw that stuff often to where it was just it was bogged down by bureaucracy, and oftentimes it was. When I get my other book book tomorrow for my prize, can can I put all my decodables on there? Because I just now read all of them. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, you can do that. You got excited about reading, getting prizes last week. I think you read yeah. like 20 books or something oh, like wow. that. And yeah, he's starting to just dive down into it. But it's, yeah, we have the, I've seen it, there's parallels in many different, I don't like to talk about it like this, but industries where it's um, this, you know, this is how it's always been. People are very resistant to change, mm -hmm. and um, and it's difficult to to be able to to change in in that fact. But ha offering those opportunities for people, I think it's very important. And so, you guys, um, how many clinics are there? Um, right now, there's uh, well, the wound care work that I do is, mm -hmm. is a different entity. Okay. I still chronic care. Um, there's a clinic in Anacortes, and we just put a footprint down the corner. Mm -hmm. And um, again, there's this other thing. I'm <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I want my camel pillowcase. Oh, can't do that right now. Why? Where is, Where is it? Where is it? Good night, bud. Where is it? Don't know. It's not important right now because you got to go to bed, bud. You got to get up early in the morning, man. Six going on twenty. Right. <laughs> but yeah, the the idea is to um, improve, uh, you know, accessibility. Mm -hmm. uh, really manage uh, chronic diseases in a in a uh, um, frequently engaging fashion with the patients. And then um, we're testing the waters in uh, Anacortes and uh, soon to be able to find But the, the endpoint is to try to replicate this. In, and mm. lots of other places. Yeah. It'll work. And there's a technology driven uh, system behind it. Really? Yeah. Okay. And, um, and it works within the current uh, uh, insurance system, actually. The Medicare. Oh, it does? Insurers are driving this oh. in terms of what's called chronic care management. And uh, it allows us to manage patients without actually having them in the office with us. Wow. And so we have a team that can work with them directly. Um, we have uh, providers sitting back that will uh, be able to keep pushing that the, the, the measure the metrics in the right direction and if something mm -hmm. concerning comes up get them in immediately and, and instead of having to wait for three weeks mm -hmm. yeah so um, yeah just just uh, managing the resources and the processes uh, uh, using the tools that we have you know, have available today yeah there's a lot of tools that we have available that go underutilized I suppose absolutely yeah. and even in manufacturing though as well it's a similar like there's so many things that could have been automated that can be automated and they generally aren't mm -hmm. for fear of change and then also the immediate um, cost impact but over time it saves yeah. a lot of money absolutely yeah then so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> leading with the patient care mm -hmm. you'll never go wrong with that yeah you know, mm -hmm. if you know that that's you know patient safety is number one 
you know, patient uh, outcomes and care is right behind that. Mm -hmm. And then everything else you just formulate, you just have to you know, figure out the formula yeah. to make it work. Let's see. And so when you guys um, when you guys are advising like a particular patient, right? Um, what are the often often things like so say someone lives an entirely uh, sedentary life and they have uh, health symptoms that are negative that are showing you know because of it for whatever reason? Um, what what are like the key things that you advise them to do, for instance, in terms of uh, diet and how they spend their time, and yeah. Well, first thing you got to figure out what what those symptoms represent is their mm -hmm. disease process beneath that and sometimes just because a person gets up uh, and walks across the, 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 the room and gets short of breath that doesn't mean that's a disease process mm -hmm. um, but you want to make sure that uh, you know, you're addressing any discrete diseases that have to be, um, be uh, recognized and then you build your plan out around those diseases so that it's safe so mm -hmm. Uh, just as an example, uh, a person that's sedentary, they get the first diagnosis of diabetes, but maybe it's been present for the better part of 10 years. Mm -hmm. They just have not seen a doctor. They've already developed some neuropathy or loss of sensation in their feet. In fact, their feet have already started to change shape, mm. which happens with diabetics. Yeah, they kind of crinkle in they and do. stuff. Yeah. yeah, and they go into deformities. So we simply just say, you know, and they say they're overweight, and so we say, right, you need to um, go exercise a lot, get on a treadmill. Well, the next thing they're going to do is show up in my wound care center with a diabetic ulcer in their butt. Mm -hmm. And we've done them no, no good by telling them how to go exercise. Yeah. Uh, or just saying go exercise. So there's there's a knowledge base that you need to have when you're trying to, to help people. And, and certainly, just because you're recommending activity and, and nutritional changes doesn't mean that you can uh, ignore the underlying medical problems. Because mm -hmm. you will hurt people. Yeah, I see. And that's where you start. You start with... You know, uh, someone who uh, has a good uh, knowledge base of patient care, uh, chronic diseases, and then you make sure that you um, uh, coach the patients along a safe pathway towards more activity, or uh, a safe path pathway towards um, healthy eating. And on the eating track, if you have a diabetic who is on insulin and they take short-acting insulin, and we say, and they, they have really good control, and then we say, we're going to give you a new diet and we're going to start dropping your carbohydrates really low. Mm. There's a high likelihood that they'll have a very severe hypoglycemic episode within about two to three days. Mm -hmm. And so again, you know, by us saying we want to drive this, this dietary change with you, and we, if we don't take that in the context of them using short-acting insulin or understanding how the insulin works, we can actually you know, kill them. Oh, wow. So they can, you know, if they drop their blood sugars too low, they can... You know, be in a car accident, they can have a diet, they go into uh, seizures, have diabetic coma. So, the things that we're recommending aren't aren't without some sort of gravity in terms of, of our um, our approach, which I think is where we really different differentiate the um, experienced clinical world mm -hmm. from the generalized recommendations. Okay. Okay. And that's why we get, I believe, if we can just put the, the engagement and coaching rolled into this clinical world mm -hmm. more so than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. uh, we are going to push good outcomes with the discrete disease states. Mm -hmm. And it's all covered over by the fact that we, you know, we've developed a social um, engagement with the patients. Uh, they're more active. Um, mm -hmm. They're uh, 
and this is, you know, would know because we work together, mm -hmm. and I'll send uh, exercise patients to her. Wow. But, um, you know, they've had back surgery. And and so I don't send them to the to the gym and say go lift weights because they're going to come in and not be able to stand up straight. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, yeah. You so usually, sports, yeah, sports yeah. medicine trained, and so after seeing Dave or one of the other providers for the initial kind of like intake, you know, history and physical, um, and they'll go through the the nutrition plan. Um, then they'll usually see me for the like exercise prescription, and, mm -hmm. um, unless it's someone that needs to actually go maybe directly to um, PT and work, um, you know, with, yeah. P, with PT for for their exercise if they've you so know balance issues. Yeah, so yeah. something yeah. that would would call medically necessary. Okay. So the medical yeah. necessity to be under physical therapy to reach their heart rate goals. So you asked about you know what do we try to set for them? Mm -hmm. Well, we set their uh, the heart rate zones. As a surrogate marker for their um, for their uh, calorie burn, essentially. Oh wow! And and so that correlates very well. And so the medical necessity type patient might be somebody that actually has heart failure. Mm -hmm. So they're on uh, they might have a pacemaker in, they might be on medications, and I want that person to be supervised and mm -hmm. get under a supervised program with a physical therapist um, uh, because they still have to lose weight or they still have to get their diabetes under control and. and um, but they need to do it in a, in a safe environment. Mm -hmm. More controlled environment. With, yeah, with uh, experienced clinicians who have dealt with stroke patients, people with dementia, people with cancers, that mm -hmm. still need to exercise and be active. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, we're really treating medically oriented patients, mm -hmm. but it's the same principles for people that don't have any medical diagnoses yet. Yeah, I see. You know, it, it, it's, it works for everybody. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it can vary with people's, you know, ability and experience level. I mean, we have some people who are coming in who are, you know, avid hikers or bikers or, um, you know, um, some people who had already, you know, started to do some work themselves mm -hmm. at home and maybe we're doing a little bit of a run-walk mix and that, but then you have people who are, you know, have no experience and have never really had experience yeah. with exercise and, you know, maybe they are obese enough that exercise is literally, um, you know, walking around the house and mm -hmm. up and down stairs just a little bit and, you know, something like just up and down from, yeah. sitting up and down from a chair, yeah, like chair obese, squats. I mean, yeah. you literally squat, it's like you're squatting a barbell, exactly. I would imagine. Yeah. 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 yeah, usually, well, once you develop a bit of a cardiac reserve, once you develop um, the, the uh, balance between uh, the heart and the lungs to get the oxygen out the body, mm -hmm. you know, um, they're actually tend to be, can be quite fit. You know, because they have been oh. carrying weight, so they do have muscle mass, mm -hmm. and, and wow. they tend to be fairly strong, mm -hmm. um, which gives them a great engine for, for um, exercising eventually. Wow. And uh, we have a, you know, patients that have walked around the house enough where they've lost 60 right. pounds. Yeah. <laughs> wow, really? Oh, yeah. Learn from the patients. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, you know, when you come from the mindset where you don't mind being out, you know, running on the road or on the trail and then just trying to get around your head around the idea of someone who doesn't want to go to a gym or doesn't mm -hmm. want to be seen, you know, outside and, um, you know, but they will actually walk around mm -hmm. their house or up and down their stairs. We have people who like to go to Home Depot and yeah. oh, walk wow. six miles in Home Depot. So we we're learning from them too and passing on different tips yeah. to other patients like, hey, I'm gonna try this. Mm -hmm. the, the um, nice so, thing yeah. about this is uh, 
again, it's working within the insurance-based model. Mm -hmm. We're not asking people to pay as much money to give them this, you know, thing that's, I don't know how to describe it, but it's not a retail item. Yeah, I see. It's, it's not, not a retail item. This mm -hmm. is, this is. Pay your way in. Yeah, so, um, I like that. We always, that's another thing we always try to keep it in context, you know, what the cost of, of what we're doing is to the patients. And I, and I like that in that respect because um, that's the thing that, like, uh, at least with my generation, big thing, which is not putting very much value into their own health care, for instance. Mm -hmm. And, like, I know that it, it, for and other people, on the other hand, like, I work for um, a CBD company, and so with I have a lot of, there's a lot of people who, who use our products, and a lot of them are old. Um, and have debilitating disease, yep. and the issue there is, is because obviously our stuff's not covered by insurance by any means, yep. and it's like I can't afford this, or I can barely afford it, mm -hmm. and that's generally, I don't want to generalize, but I'm going to, mm -hmm. um, the population that does not have a lot of extra money. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. The disposable income is, is honestly, the disposable income is not really there for probably at least six percent of our population. Mm -hmm. The ones who need it the most, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you know, the folks that can really afford a premium you know, VIP treatment is that 1%. Mm -hmm. and everyone else still feels a strain, that other you know, 39%, but 60% of the folks out there simply don't have the money to, to show up to the doctor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And is there, um, I don't know if you can answer this, but is it at less of a cost to you to deliver this form of care than it would be to deliver a conventional form? Um, it's unrelated, mm -hmm. to be honest. Okay. Uh, I've just chosen to, to, to control my costs. Oh, okay, I see. Because that's, so uh, that's what I, I, I was meaning. Yeah. Some people yeah. would say that, you know, uh, what? There was someone that I, I was listening to, he's a surgeon, and he, instead of doing, um, I think it was like gastric bypasses, mm -hmm. um, he would say that change your diet. And there was an issue in the hospital that, oh, it's not very profitable. Oh, that's that. a, that's a constant uh, and, argument that, that so takes place. That's what I was between, wondering. Hospitals and providers and so forth. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the the great elephant in the room is um, uh, the profit-based healthcare system in America. Mm -hmm. And and you know that's that's a two or three other podcasts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But you know, um, on the provider side. Uh, we just have to learn how to control our costs, mm -hmm. or you go work with somebody else. Yeah. And so there's two options. You either go let someone else control the cost for you, or you do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, it's that simple. Yeah. And as a, I suppose, as someone who's um, familiar with business, controlling your costs is a skill-oriented thing. And if you're very smart, it's just a can... bit of discipline. And mm -hmm. and uh, if you've ever gotten close to not making payroll. Mm -hmm. You'll understand <laughs> yeah. how comfortable that, that feels. <laughs> yeah. and, and so you, um, and, and at that point, you know, it, you also have to be willing to sacrifice your, your own thing. So mm -hmm. if, if you're running a clinic and you want to uh, keep it open and do, what, do what's right by your employees, you know, you have to control the costs around them or you're going to put them out of business. And yeah. then you have to control your own lifestyle, your own cost. So oh, yeah. If I take everything out of the business, Mm -hmm. And I reach, you know, my uh, whatever comes along, my patients don't show up one day, and uh, there's nothing left, then it's, a, it's not a good situation. So mm -hmm. it's, you have to have a business savvy. If you don't do that, if you, if you don't want to do that, you absolutely go work for a healthcare system or hospital. Yeah, exactly. You don't have any business in business, essentially. Um, 
yeah, and it's 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 easier said than done. Yeah, it's not a, it's not an easy thing. Oh, I, I bet. Uh, I'm so, considering uh, something getting into my own business as well, but not in yeah. by any means like that. The and best, the best you can possibly have when you're getting into your own business is a is a mentor mm -hmm. and listen listen to them like they're like they're God. If, if, yeah, if, 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 if you trust them. If you trust them, mm -hmm. uh, listen very closely mm -hmm. because we've all, um, every business mentor that's out there uh, has made some very big mistakes along the way. Like right. I have. Mm -hmm. and and those it, are the greatest learning opportunities. Those are the ones too. that you want to uh, learn from someone else's experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Is that I just love learning from people's experiences, yeah. whether it's relevant to me or not. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. And so today we have so many. Um, or we have the ability, the individual has the ability to track so many metrics around whether or not it's our sleep, um, our heart rate, and even the, the calories we expend, which I imagine is connected to heart rate. Um, it, so that you focus on having a data-driven approach, right? Absolutely. And would that be an individual wearing like an activity tracker mm -hmm. and then monitoring all of their uh, activities? Yep, any connected device, IoT. Uh, internet as a therapy technology or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, pulled that one out of somewhere. But, yeah. Uh, it's a, um, yeah, no, it's the, uh, that, that's, that's the reality of people's lives. Mm -hmm. yeah. The, the, yeah. the data that they are uh, generating. Well, it holds them, it's, it holds them accountable. It's a behavioral it, thing. In some ways it holds them accountable. It's, yeah. that risk reward, it's that reward thing that you get right. sometimes. Right. But as a clinician or as a, as a medical provider, it's it's unbelievably useful mm -hmm. in guiding therapy and, and, mm -hmm. and making on-the-fly adjustments. Mm -hmm. um, when you bring someone into a building and you put them under a microscope, your, your readings are all wrong. Your mm -hmm. blood pressure is wrong. You're, you do you do a temperature on somebody and a, whoever did a temperature didn't bother putting the thing in the ear right or mm -hmm. the... Um, uh. you know, you're only able to make decisions, uh, your decisions are only as good as the information that you have. Yeah. The yeah. best information that you will ever get is in a patient's home. Yeah. Wow. I think some of our most successful people are, are best like trackers, that mm -hmm. tracking their own activity. Wow. Um, our oh, God, first yeah. person that has yeah. like graduated from the clinic um, did a very good job on just tracking all of her, you know, calories, her, mm -hmm. her um, macros and, and that, um, and we were able to make adjustments in her nutrition, mm -hmm. you know, from what she was tracking and see yeah. where things On needed to be changed. There, there were a couple inflection points where the plateau hit and then it's like, well, let's take a look at your tracking device. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, this is what you do and then bam, it's like, yeah. there goes the oh. next change. Yeah. Gosh. And she's and, also and very good with her, you yeah. know, tracked all her activities. We use different things, whatever, yeah. whatever mm -hmm. they have, Fitbits, Garmin, Strava, it's free. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. I love Strava. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and we'll, we'll look at mm -hmm. that as well. Yeah, um, so yeah, she, she was just our star tracker. And this is and what the insurance companies need to see. Yeah. That's you know, the diabetes medication goes away. The blood pressure mm -hmm. medication goes away. Yeah. The anxiety issues, you know, yeah. Or minimal yeah. and, and just confidence as well. Confidence people are getting a framework out that, that yeah. this person may, you know, not might this person mm -hmm. uh, has a confidence they'll stay in the system for decades, mm -hmm. you know, but they always have something to, to come back into uh, as a resource now. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you can see the changes in the family too, you know, you know some of these people, you know mm -hmm. their families, their, you know, their, their significant others are getting out, their kids, you know, the whole family's hiking now, the, yeah. you know, so. It's kind of um, hobbies and communities yeah. that are yeah. built around it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're hiking with their friends, it's like it's a mm -hmm. trickle down effect, so, wow. yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, so definitely yeah. I think so tracking is we're just, important. I think we're just facilitators, mm -hmm. we're just sort of pulling the picture together. Yeah. And, uh. It's, there's not there's not a lot of mystery to it. That's that's pretty exciting but, in that sense because mm -hmm. I have uh, people I have conversations with people now. Uh, oftentimes it's when I go to when they, they go to a doctor and then they get like a, a suggestion like you need surgery right and then they go to another doctor and the doctor's like ah oh, no it's you know you actually need this surgery but the relationship with the doctor was what they say is dogmatic. This is this guy this guy knows it. And like having it more of this relationship where like you're counseling people and you're mm -hmm. working with, I, obviously I don't know medical system ins and outs, but I mean if that were the average yeah. form of care, that would be incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah. We, we look at, uh, I think two major health coach and finance coach. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Absolutely. So um, I always talk to my patients, especially in the wound care area, about um, you know, the cost of what this would uh how, how it's going to impact them financially, mm -hmm. um, and that was never. I don't think we're supposed to do that. I don't know. We were never told. <laughs> yeah, we were actually told not to do that in, mm -hmm. in training. Oh wow! Because somehow it might impact your decision as a doctor and, and, and skew your, your clinical acumen, which um, I don't think. I think that's what they call an MSU. Yeah, you let it. You let us swear. Oh uh -huh, yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> my my, my favorite is MSU making shit up. Yeah, exactly. So you know, there's I have one role and there's there's no MSUs. Mm -hmm. So don't make shit up and confuse the patient or yeah. the staff. And so, um, yeah, the uh, counseling people uh, along the way in terms of the, the financial impact that what we're delivering in terms of care is extremely important because if you don't, uh, number one, I think it's unethical. Number two, they'll stop showing up. Mm -hmm. If you blindside them with a giant bill, you just lost them to the system. Yeah, that. that if you can't deliver that care, and that what can fit in, so they can fit into their um, that disposable income or their, mm -hmm. their financial plan, they will not show up. That makes sense. And disregard care and just kind of put it off onto the back burner. Absolutely. You. I've I've met a lot of people like that, including myself. It's a deer in the headlights. Yep. I'm afraid to even go talk about that pain I have in my side. You get anxiety when you go into the into the yeah. the, the clinic, and yeah, you don't want they call and you just ignore the voice. The, the yeah. 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 So, so you know, disclosure of uh, financial details, working mm -hmm. with patients to to um, you know, allow it to happen. Uh, it's not always going to work out the way that, you know, just reality that uh, that the patients want financially, but mm -hmm. at least that they know everything, they can make some good decisions, and you can oftentimes work things out. Mm -hmm. um, and then the health coach, what uh, what what does it mean when one doctor says something different than another doctor? Mm -hmm. um, you know, what does it mean to start increasing your activity, getting your heart rate up in the context of your chronic disease or in the context of cost, I can't go to the fitness center. Well, let's coach you in how you're going to do it at home then. Mm -hmm. How are you going to use your own weight to, to make all this happen? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those two um, concepts, I think, are uh, what I'd like to be able to um, see uh, take place. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, talk about new industries, uh, that's extremely important. Be able to combine that and, and, and mm -hmm. sort of uh, 
hold the patient's hands as they go through you know, their, their, uh, their healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And in helping them navigate that. Exactly, navigators, healthcare. Yeah. yeah. And there's a surprisingly a crazy amount of things that you can do with your body to be able to 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 stimulate yeah. for a adaptation and, mm -hmm. and stuff like yeah. that. Like, no, yeah. we've, one of the coolest things we've had um, uh, another patient experience. Um, she had come in uh, with obesity. Um, she's sorry, it's Medicare age, mm -hmm. so she's um, over 65, and it's time for her to have the knee replacements because. But they, they, the surgeon doesn't want to do the knee replacements uh, until she loses weight mm -hmm. because and she has diabetes, so it's going to actually be difficult. You know, it could have some complications around rehabbing. Interestingly, she lost a bunch of weight, and now her knees feel fine. So, <laughs> so, so the, the surgeon was you know, wonderful. The surgeon said, you know what? You don't need surgery now. No, yes. Yeah, that's cool because surgeons aren't out there to just perform surgery. Mm -hmm. they, they just they want what's best for the patient. Yep. And I think he was thrilled. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah so that's um, <laughs> that's pretty uh, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what happens? That is. Yeah. Wow. And it's empowering too to the individual because then you realize that you know through um, th through hard work and um, good advice too. Mm -hmm. It was just it, education is all it was. Mm -hmm. She bought in, you know, and it was just uh, education, some guidance in terms of activity and how to exercise safely. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, talk, her, uh, her family would come in with her, and they'd be like, "Okay, you've got to stop bringing the, the yeah. cookies, <laughs> yeah. the candy boy, and, and yeah. you know." Yeah, your twenty-year-old daughter has a different metabolism than you, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know. <laughs> Not the same. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, educating the family, um, and never a pill was, was given. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, I didn't give out a. a uh, since we opened on June seventh last year, I haven't prescribed a single weight loss medication. Whoa. So, just that's crazy. Yeah, um, I've always tried to reduce the dependence on on, on pills. Mm -hmm. As an internal medicine doc, I'll, you know, I totally advocate you know what we need in terms of our pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also uh, try to be objective and say, um, what is what do we really need though? Yeah. You know, maybe the answer isn't to put a fourth blood pressure medication on. Mm -hmm. you know. It's like um, my mom, she should be an example where like she has high blood pressure and then there's there's like breathing exercises and stuff and I, I, I don't understand people's conditions or anything like that by any means but I know that even if you were to have high blood pressure, breathing would at the very least reduce your blood pressure at least a little bit. And I feel like that would almost be a universal thing. Obviously, I'm no doctor, but like just the amount, like people who are able to reduce their heart rate below average heart rate through like meditation. And meditation is something that takes you know five minutes, or not even meditation, blowing a feather, for instance. You know, like breathing in your diaphragm, because it's amazing to me, including myself, how many people breathe from like the top of their chest and they have no idea how to breathe from their diaphragm. I was taught that like only singers did that. And then I got into it was running and like jujitsu and stuff, and that was the only way You're that I could get constant stomach cramping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You properly, yeah, everything's up here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So, yeah, you just reduce that stress you and take, yeah, mm -hmm. your blood pressure, your, right? Yeah, take control of your body, take control of your of your psyche, mm -hmm. your emotions. Yeah, and then the stomach and yeah, yeah. all of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and do you um, does any patient 
complain about the dysphoria associated with exercise, or is that something you don't hear all too often? And the, like the only the one thing I'd be thinking is like when you're running and mm -hmm. then at first at um, like when your heart's uh, mm -hmm. beating fast if you're running at high intensity, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And you're sweating and mm -hmm. stuff. I've heard some people complain, and then it's like I don't want. I think run. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I've had the patients discomfort. that were just totally um, say, "I can't. I do this a lot of exercise." Mm -hmm. Has to be no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's, I guess you can, and again, that goes against my board yeah. sort of for my board training. Of course, you can lose weight without exercise. Well, yeah, but is that what I would recommend? Mm -hmm. No. And so the conversation doesn't go very far. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's going to be some folks who um, aren't necessarily going to buy in, mm -hmm. yeah. and that's that's yeah. just how it is. Yeah. And some of these folks are like just starting off at maybe even like 20 minutes twice a week. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's yeah. you, you know not set the bar to what they can and, do, and, and that's what I tell them. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we want to set you up yeah. for success, so we start <laughs> low and like yeah. build up, and a lot of them. You know, you're not even talking about running, it's walking. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So like, there's no, there's very few of our folks that are just out there running down Okay. The road. Yeah. So that's like my son, where like the first time I took him hiking, I was really naive, and I'm like, let's go do a seven mile uh, yeah. trail, yeah. and we're going to go all the way up this mountain, and it was right, right. like, I think we went up to Park Butte. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and, and he was four. And like, so I ended up carrying him most of the way, and he's just like, what did you do to me? You tried to look at them. Yeah, oh yeah, he, he liked it, but the reward was much was smaller to him right. than the discomfort, and so it yeah. wasn't valuable. Or, yeah, he was yeah, like, no, we're yeah. not going hiking for a long yeah. time. Right, they really, right. And one of the interesting things when I did my uh, engineering work, um, it was very much sales as well. You, know, mm -hmm. you had to get in there and sell the fact that you had the right solution you're going to help them you're going to get them through everything get them through the experience and that's the same way with with healthcare. Mm -hmm. i mean if if you don't have the um balance to or the, the foresight to understand how to keep patients engaged with you mm -hmm. you're going to lose them and and so it takes that uh that, that type of a um, mindset that uh, you are selling you're selling a, a different lifestyle you're selling um, a different process, so mm -hmm. how can we get you into the activity? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you what it's going to feel like in the first couple of days. <laughs> um, and how, when, what are you going to feel like when you drop your carbs? I've done this twice in the last couple of years. I, mm -hmm. uh, I like to eat. Mm -hmm. I like to eat things that are really unhealthy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so, you know, I threw on, um, after I met, you know, Yvonne, I put on 35 pounds. And uh, and because I stopped, I used to be the one training. Mm -hmm. and, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And um, then life kicked out with 35 pounds. And then a couple of years ago, I said, "Okay, I, I'm done. I'm not anywhere close to what I used to be or who I want to be." Mm -hmm. And for the first uh, seven or eight days, it felt like the skin was crawling off me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just felt like I'd, I'd eat if you put um, some sugar on the, on the, on my shoe. I just mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just <laughs> chew it down. You know? Oh, yeah. And you know, I just I kind of did this again because uh, I put on about uh, twelve or fifteen pounds recently uh, last year. And um, November, I'm like I'm not going through the holidays like this again. Mm -hmm. And I did it, and sure enough, it felt like the skin was crawling off me. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet. Yeah. So and and so I know what it feels like, so I can talk to the patients yeah. in some ways. I'm not totally, you know, that's just my little story. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can relate to how hard it is mm -hmm. um, in, in that way. And then I do know, absolutely, when you start training, you know, it takes a little while for your get that. Um, Carter pulmonary mismatch mm -hmm. uh, to align with your 
your, your knees and your muscles in your body. Mm -hmm. But when it does, in about two weeks, when you start to get an efficient uh, squeeze from your heart, and you start to deliver oxygen because you're breathing properly, uh, you start to feel better after exercise instead of feeling worse. And so I, I explain that, you know, the physiologically, uh, physiologically what's going on there. Mm -hmm. and say, just hang in there. You know, you're <laughs> going to surprise yourself in about two weeks. Um, you're you're going to do this uh, incremental uh, leap to um, in terms of your ability to exercise and how you feel afterwards. Mm -hmm. And it's just how the body works. Yeah. And so, um, but, to but it. if they understand that um, and they can anticipate it, it helps a lot. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty slow process of just a lot of kind of just easy moderate exercise mm -hmm. initially and some resistance work and then as they progress you know throwing in some um, like higher intensity days where they get their heart rate up a little bit more but yeah it just starts off with just setting them up for mm -hmm. success yeah so, exactly something um, that they can reliably yeah, do yeah and whatever it is that they want to do we don't have a set you know you mm -hmm. must run and you must do this it's like well what do you like to do for exercise and you know some people want to hike some you know will will bike and um some just want to use the cardio oh, machines in the gym or you yeah. know do back uh, aerobics or something mm -hmm. so so they could find some form of passion out of it right. or maybe they could just yeah do right, it in such right. a way where they just get it done yeah it's like okay. as long as you get your heart rate where mm -hmm. it needs to be have one gentleman who's i don't know he must be about six foot three and his wife's pretty short and he likes to walk mm -hmm. with with her um but you know she can't keep up yeah. He needs to get his heart rate in a certain zone, so we're like, all right, oh. so, all right, you get a backpack and you load it with weight. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you that's smart. You do like weighted, yeah, weighted so. best backpack. I like that. <laughs> so then you walk her pace, but you carry weight. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so you just have to get creative. And, yeah. Um, you know, so because cool. if you send him out to do it by himself without his wife, he's probably not mm -hmm. going to want to do it. And yeah. So, yeah, it's all yeah, about just setting people up for success. Yeah, that's you smart. Just you know, from experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not impossible. It's just an obstacle. It's like figure out how to overcome it. Like, right, you just right. got a kid. And, like, and my son, I'll do like Turkish get ups or whatever. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's heavier than my kettlebell, so I can afford. So yeah. it's yeah. perfect. Yes. Yeah. For an individual patient, would they stay under your um, care indefinitely? Um, the end goal would be that they would stay under our care, but be managed uh, in an arm's length. Mm hmm through what's called a chronic care management model. Okay. So uh, that will uh, then um, help us continue to engage them frequently. They always have uh, access both um, uh, in that sense, but also this is where the newer model is being built out. Uh, the uh, convenient care, which means we're gonna get you in the 24 hours when, when you need to be seen. Mm -hmm. And, and so that is the end point. So we want to continue to manage patients. We just don't want to manage them in the uh, sense where um, you have to come in to see us for everything. Mm, okay. Um, and really only have you come in when, when it's indicated. Um, but we're going to work with you so uh, uh, in such a way um, that we're going to continue to uh, help prevent your help prevent these diseases as well as optimize the care for your chronic diseases. <coughs> Um, ongoing, mm. and so that's the end point. Mm -hmm. So through education, creating um, a sort of independence while maintaining a relationship with maintaining you guys. Maintaining through remote monitoring, mm -hmm. through social um, engagement, whether in di digital mm -hmm. engagement, um, 
events, programs where uh, you're face to face in some sort of setting that uh, encourages uh, healthy living. Uh, so the brand, you know, will evolve out of that. Um, and you know, I, I really feel confident in the end that the, uh, the patients uh, are going to be healthier and happier and more satisfied with, the, with that model. Mm -hmm. And so being yeah. empowered to be able to mm -hmm. seek the care or not the care that they need, but do the activity and the patterns of behavior yeah. mm -hmm. to help them along the recovery process. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, by the way, the <laughs> clinic's name is the Elm Clinic. The Elm Clinic. Elm Clinic. Endurance. Oh. Endurance lifestyle metabolic medicine. Endurance lifestyle metabolic medicine. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a, you know you folks endure a lot in life. It's mm -hmm. not just about endurance training. It's actually um, the endurance that we go through every day, and certainly when we have these diseases start to become introduced into our lives, um, how do we endure them? Well, we address lifestyle issues. Don't mm -hmm. forget, you know, to um, uh, that's a core of it of health. Yeah. And that drives metabolism. Hmm. And and then it's uh, you know it's how you uh, become healthier. So mm -hmm. and that's that's essentially where that term came from. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I really do because yeah we have whether it's trauma, pain, or behavioral patterns that may be destructive, we do endure a lot as individuals. But luckily. We're very resilient when we do have the momentum behind us to change and the people who give us the opportunities and the education to empower our own selves to make those steps. Mm -hmm. but yeah, do you guys have anything else that you guys would like to add as a closing statement? No, just thanks for <laughs> yeah. allowing us to do this. It's yeah, no a great, problem. Uh, experience. I love the medium. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, I, and I love getting to know you guys. Like, yeah, is like there a, a website or anything that they can check out? Yeah, we're on Facebook, uh, Elm Clinic on uh -huh. Facebook. We're in Anacort is uh, right now, and Emma Connor. And we have a website, uh, elmclinic.com. Right. Um, and Instagram as well. So Instagram and Facebook is where you'll find our um, like weekly events for uh, walks, hikes, runs, Ooh, that kind of thing. All the fun stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so 